And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by the world's number one New York Rangers fan, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, when you're as deep as I am financially right now, we're, we're riding. Um, a few of my best friends, I'm not a hockey person at all, but a few of my best friends are huge Rangers fans, so I just thought I'd hop on the board here and see if I can uh, enjoy the playoff run. You know, you, I don't know what it is, um, and I don't know if you're like this right now, but like the NBA playoffs to me have been so boring. Yeah. Like, I have no interest whatsoever in the teams that are remaining or the games that are being played. And, like, I feel like I look at the Celtics series, and every single time, like, one of the teams is blowing out the other. Like, there's no good games. Like, am I am I imagining that? Like, I don't know. So, hockey's kind of been the thing I've been watching for my sports fix as a fan. I, I likewise have... Uh Maybe it's because the Sixers lost and I was done after the Sixers lost. Whereas in the NHL playoffs, the Flyers were never in it, so there was nothing for me to be disappointed about. Um, But I very much enjoyed the NHL playoffs to this point. I don't know if it's because I'm gambling on it, but I do think there is a heightened sense of pressure in hockey that is there at all times. Like I don't know if that's just the way the sport is because I'm still learning about it. and I watch it and I don't even know what's going on. Like When there's a penalty, I'll be like, what did somebody do? I don't even know what's going on. But I just feel like that, that... tension of like is somebody going to score that is just there all the time is inherently exciting yes so maybe i'll be a hockey person you should be a hockey person i will say that does not exist in the regular season um but i think i I was oh i was in myrtle beach uh last week and i was talking with my brothers and one of which is one of whom is getting married and his friends who were talking about this and i said i think uh nhl playoffs uh, the World Cup and the NCAA tournament are the three best sporting events. Or spectacles, maybe, because it's more than one event. Yeah, I mean, every every season when the stakes are high, like those late game at-bats in, in the Major League Baseball postseason are incredibly entertaining, where you're hanging on every ball and strike. Um, the, the Rangers' overtime game that they won in Game 7 of the first round um, over the... the penguins was really exciting because it's like next goal wins the series like i don't know if stakes are higher than that but like i just i don't know i'm just a football person man like i just i think that the football football playoffs and the college football playoff are the two best and i think it's just because i like football the most 
Is the college football playoff like your favorite part of the college football calendar? Yes. It is. I get like obviously that's when the stakes are the highest. I love the first week of college football season. Well, the first week it's is the, great too. Like I love best. all. I mean, like, I I watch college football on Wednesday nights in November. Like I'm yeah. always I love it. I love the entire sport, but I do like watching. I like how the entire season is just one big speculation of who the best team is, and then I actually like seeing okay, here are four selections, and then here they get to play. And I do think that watching teams face other teams because like. In college football, the best teams rarely face teams that can beat them. So, like when you want, like last year, the Alabama Cincinnati game that I covered wasn't. It didn't turn out to be that interesting, but like I was very excited to watch it because we spent so much time speculating on can a group of five team beat a playoff contender? Can Alabama get beaten by a group of five team that's really really good? And it's like the answer I suspected was no because the talent gap. But I thought Cincinnati held their own. You know, yeah. and I thought it was it, like I like seeing things in college football that you don't usually get to see, especially considering the fact that college football, at least in the history of it, has always been a speculative what if argument sport um, where you don't get all the answers. Like in, in the pros, you don't ever feel like at the end of the season there are unanswered questions of like, what if this team would have played this team or what if this team would have made it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like to me, like watching Alabama, Georgia play is like one of the most entertaining things that you can watch on television. My my I agree with that, but my favorite my favorite college football thing is a good on campus helmet game, like Ohio State Notre Dame on either one of their campus. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm excited to I'm going to try to come out there for that game. I'm excited to see it. I, the one thing that I miss the most about covering this sport with you is is those big games. You know, those walks into the stadium in November at Michigan State and Penn State. Like those, that's like when you get your blood gets gets pumping. Um, that to me is the entire epitome of it. And I don't know that any other sport has that passion. And like, I didn't even care. We didn't care who won or lost games, but I still got really caught up in the excitement of it. Or this is a huge game. I can't wait to catalog, catalog it or write a good story or connect with the fans and, and try to like provide perspective of like what went on here. And, you know, to me, I just feel like the passion and the excitement of college football is just not matched in the pros. And like, I know there are certain teams that have like the Kansas city chiefs, right? have crazy fans and, you know, mm-hmm. the Cowboys. I'm not saying that pro sports fans don't love their teams, but there's an, a, a connection between college football fans and the fans that, that are in the team that don't exist in other sports. And I think it translates well to the stadiums, the, the, the volume in those stadiums. And, of course, every single game is a high-stakes game. Yeah. Um, I get really bogged down in pro sports and maybe not as much in the NFL because the NFL has done a great job of, like, capturing fantasy and other in gambling and stuff to like make every game interesting, no matter what. But I hate sports that have a lot of meaningless regular season games. Like I, like I baseball and the NBA, it's like hard to lock into these, te- these, these sports when the, the games don't matter. Yeah. I watch like opening day of baseball and then basically don't watch it for like two and a half months. And then I'll like, I'll pop back in around the all yeah, check in September. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking like of everyone, Right, right, right. Speaking of the Ohio State Notre Dame game, I was—I almost said this last week, but I was hesitant because I didn't want to overpromise anything. But then I was listening to uh, the Shamrock and Notre Dame podcast with Pete Sampson and Matt Fortuna the other day, and they mentioned it. So I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Uh, we are kicking around the idea of doing a live combined four to six a four to six thing B slash Shamrock show previewing Ohio State Notre Dame. Uh, somewhere in Columbus, probably on that Friday before the game. Th- that's it. That's all. Like, there's no details about that now. Um, we're hopeful that it happens. It's part of the reason why we, we want Ari to come out um, f- for that game to do something in person in in and around Columbus uh, the day before that game. Get some Notre Dame fans in the mix. Get some Ohio State fans in the mix. Do a live in person podcast. Maybe take some questions. That kind of stuff. But but have like a fun sort of you know celebration slash preview. Uh, when the college football season comes back with with a major game like that, so uh, we'll provide more details on that as we have them, if we have them. But we're we're hoping to do something like that uh, in the lead up to Ohio State Notre Dame. It'll be a good time. I can't wait. I think the, the, mean, the real the real podcast listeners, you know, the loyal ones, the the OGs of this podcast, we'll just meet at Massey's. That's right. Uh, we're not going to yeah. talk about Ohio State. Let's just go smash pizza together. We're going to go talk about uh, how Massey's has the best pepperoni in the game. You like it? I do like it. I don't actually know if it's the best pepperoni game, but I like it, yeah. 
I think it's got I, great pepperoni at cups. I had a, a, a stuffed crust uh, Pizza Hut pizza to myself in the hotel room the other day. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. Hadn't done that. Hadn't done that in a while. Yeah. Do you eat that crust first? Uh, no, but at a certain point, I was starting to feel pulverized, but I still wanted to eat the crust. So I ate like three or four full slices, and then the and rest then of it, just I just ate the crust. Eat the crust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there, bud. Yeah. And then in the nice. morning, when you wake up and the heartburn's passed and your stomach's not quite as full, you smash the rest of it on the way out. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I have I have done that. I just didn't do it this time. Okay. Um, uh, before we get to that uh, Ohio State Notre Dame game that we're all looking forward to, it is uh, it's always recruiting season, but it is ramping up a bit here. Uh, it is almost June. It is almost camp season. It is almost official visit season. It is almost the time when the 2023 recruiting class, in this case, uh, really starts to take shape. So that's basically what we want to talk about in this episode uh, a little bit of news as it pertains to Ohio State and a guy that at least at one point was a key target. We'll talk about some more quarterback recruiting, and then Ari and I are each going to give our top five remaining prospects in the class of 2023 for Ohio State. But first, Richard Young, earlier this week, five-star running back out of the state of Florida, number two running back in the country, a guy who I think for a long time people thought Ohio State was the favorite for. Um Maybe that's lessened a little bit over the last few weeks or months. Uh, he announced that he is not taking his official visit to Ohio State. He, although he did say that Ohio State is still in contention, I don't actually believe that. But Richard Young canceling his official visit, Ari, like on a scale of 1 to 10, you see that, like where does that rate, I guess, on uh, the panic meter scale of 1 to 10 for you? I don't know that any individual prospect who doesn't come to Ohio State especially a five-star from Florida, really is alarming to me. The thing that will become alarming is that every single time one of these players drops out, it's going to become harder and harder for Ohio State to have the type of finish that you think they could have in order to to meet expectations. So yep. like, I don't know like if I can like narrow in and just go, well, Ohio State's future at running back is just they're doomed. Like I'm not going to freak out about this. This stuff happens every year. Um, not going to get everybody. It's really hard to. I mean, I just think people haven't have to have an appreciation of how hard it is to get somebody from Florida to come to Ohio State. Um, and I just kind of think it's just part of competing at the highest level in, in recruiting. So um, I, I don't know if I, if I'm wrong on that from your your standpoint. I don't find it alarming, but I do wonder if we're three, four, five more of them away from being like, uh oh, where's this class going to end up? Yeah, I I don't I don't find it particularly alarming either. And part of that is because like he's probably going to go to Alabama. So it's like, all right, you, you lost a, a really good player who you had done a good job of building relationships with, and he's going to go to Alabama, who I, I guess like, I guess this is true for like most prospects is like Alabama is a school that he's always liked and, and one that, you know, has, he visited, I think three times in the last few months and he's not been to Ohio state, I think since last summer. Um, so like, it's not really surprising. Cause I think that with all the stuff right, you always follow the visits and he had not been here in a while. He'd been to Alabama a lot in the meantime. It's like, he's going to go to Alabama. You sometimes you lose a Nick Saban in Alabama. And I don't think, um, well, while it can be frustrating and you wish it didn't happen. I don't think it's something to be like overly alarmed about. And also they have a running back in this class and Mark Fletcher already. And like, he's not rated as highly as Richard Young. I, I get that. He's still a top 10 player at the position. It's like, he's a guy that they took, I think at the time, Thinking that if he's the only guy we get in this class, we'll that's, get by with that. That's a good running back class. Um, I do think at some point they're going to have to take two again. They took two with Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor. They didn't take two last year. They may not take two this year now that Richard Young's out of it. I just don't know. Like I, I, they'll take a swing at Justice Haynes. I, I, I guess. I, mean, but I was going to say, like, how much do you go? You go into Justice Haynes because the thing that is just going to become um, apparently relevant. <laughs> is that like, okay, it's really hard to go into Florida and get a five-star running back who is being recruited by Alabama. Like Alabama literally owns Florida. And in a year where the secondary options are, are Cristobal and Billy Napier, it's just Florida's hard right now. Okay, I get it. But then it's like Justice Haynes is in Georgia, and he also has an Alabama and Georgia offer. And it's just like this is like the exact like thing. It's just like what's Ohio State going to do? Like, in the grand scheme of things, if this, and like, I'm probably going to have a thread on 11 warriors about how I'm an asshole and I hate everybody, but it's like, this is like the exact personification of why I knew this was going to be hard. So like they might not but even need justice. It, it, I don't know. It's not like 
if they if this like they were losing a kid to like Oregon or USC or Florida or Miami, but they're not. Like if Richard Young goes to Alabama and Justice Haynes, and then Haynes goes awesome, to Georgia, Georgia, then that would have happened anyway. Yeah, yeah, like that's like that's the way it's been. Like those are the teams you compete against. Those are the teams you lose to. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right about that. It's just like what I'm saying is, is there's nobody in Ohio to turn to. No. And I think that that is kind of the thing. It's like if your secondary option is a top 50 player in Georgia after losing out on a top 15 player in Florida, it's just like at a certain point, a lot of times in the Midwest, Ohio State has had a lot of safety nets where it's like if all else fails, we can turn to this guy and just nail him. And it's just like I don't know if that exists now. So the the alternative is, well, we're not going to get Justin ha- Justice Haynes because he's going to end up at Georgia or wherever he ends up because he's a Georgia prospect. And it's like, okay, well, we're only going to take one running back now. It's not because we didn't want to stand out running back in this class, just because we couldn't get one. It's like, I don't know that I'd want to live in that world if in our Ohio State staff of just like being in a position where you don't take somebody because you couldn't get them. I don't disagree with that. I, I think I think there's probably a little less urgency with this class because running back is a position where I think you can – get a guy and and think to yourself, well, we can play him as a true freshman if we, if we need to. So like you have another year of Trevion Henderson, like next year, your running back room could be Trevion Henderson, Evan Pryor, um, Dallin Hayden, Mayan Williams still has time left and, and Mark Fletcher. And then it's like, then the pressure I guess is on to, to get the kind of guy we're talking about in 2024. Once Trevion Henderson leaves, um, I don't. I don't feel that same kind of urgency in 2023. And also, I I think Mark Fletcher is good. So like, I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to. Everyone has to agree with me on that. Like, I get the recruiting ranking is what it is. Well, he better be good. Terrible, but I think he's like Mark Fletcher is not the kind of player you take because like you were out of good options and you just take him because you think you. No, need no, somebody. they took like, him because they wanted him. Yeah, he's good. Like he's a top ten player in his position. But here's you said something interesting that kind of like made me think about something that isn't. Um, what we're talking about, but I think it's an interesting road. So you know how in um, recruiting rankings, they rank players based on the scarcity of their position. And like, yeah. it's really, really hard to be a five-star tight end because tight ends don't typically get drafted in the first round unless they're Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Ohio state and programs like it um, approach the position uh, of or like recruiting a position out of high school differently based on that now? Like, now in the in the world of the transfer portal, like if running backs are in abundance and teams take two or three of them in a class sometimes and there's a lot of them in the portal and you don't really have to beat Barry Sanders to be productive in Ohio. Like, like, let's be honest about something. Like Mike Weber was a nice college running back who made a lot of plays and will be fondly remembered by the fan base, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that he was like an irreplaceable figure. Like, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't like transcendent. And it's like, if you're Ohio State, I think you can get a Mike Weber-ish type running back in the portal more years often than not, right? Yeah. So, like, if you if you could if you could just get, like, if Mike Weber was the baseline for what you want your running back to be, then I don't know that you have to, like, need to reach or overextend yourself at the running back position in general because it's easily replaceable position where you can find somebody productive fairly easy in the secondary market. Does that make sense? It like, makes sense, th- yeah. Do you think that you that like programs now that the transfer portal exists is going to put more emphasis on the hard positions to get and then not quite put as much pressure on themselves to land certain positions that they think are more replaceable? I think that's probably right. Like it's not true of every position, but I think like running back, you know, like is running one, back one of them? Yeah, I think running back can be one of them, like linebacker, um maybe safety. It's like quarterback I don't think is like premier pass rusher is not cornerback maybe is not Although, might be thinking too like along the lines of the NFL when I say that, but well, some I'd, people could make the argument that quarterback is also one. Not that a quarterback position is an easily replaceable position, but like let's just say, like for instance, Eli Holstein just committed to Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. And like Eli Holstein is a very very good player, and on tape, you know, I think you get a lot of people saying that his tape is more impressive than Arch Manning's, and he plays tougher competition, right? I don't know if he's better than Arch Manning, but Eli Holstein just committed to Alabama, who has Bryce Young and Ty Simpson on his roster. It's like only one of those guys is going to play between Simpson and uh, Holstein in the next few years. And it's like Holstein could be in the secondary market in literally 12 months or or, or, or 24 months. And it's just like how many really good quarterbacks um, are just going to be available for the taking because the best ones are going to the same five schools still. It's like as long as that concentration of quarterback is still is still happening at places like Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama, like there's going to be 
a market there for really, really good quarterbacks. Like how, like, I think that like a Spencer Rattler type player is going to be available every year for the foreseeable future now too. And like, if you're Ohio state, like I think you're the number one destination for a quarterback transfer. If, and when that happens, like if Ty Simpson were to enter the portal and Ohio state didn't have a quarterback, don't you think Ty Simpson would like die to come to Ohio state? Yeah. I think that's probably right. It's like, I feel like if I were Ohio State and I didn't have a quarterback, I wouldn't worry about it. I That's probably a world that Ohio State can live in. I don't know if it's a world that every program can live in. Yeah, or, no. Or even, or even... And I don't think that they ever have. will live in it because it's uncomfortable. And you don't want to leave finding a quarterback, um, a quarterback up to fate. But I do think that, like, there are certain positions that you can replace or get somebody serviceable in there to make your team very good. And I think even though the quarterback position is by far the most lucrative when it comes to coming out of high school, I think you could make the case that quarterback will be a very uh, fruitful place uh, in the portal. Which, you know, maybe that's a stupid theory, but I just I thought about that the other day. I, I don't I don't think I disagree with it offhand. It, it actually kind of segues sort of into what I, what I wanted to talk about next, and that's what, like, what Ohio State's going to do with its 2023 class as it pertains to quarterback. Like, because of everything you just said, like how urgent do you think a uh, quarterback is in 2023 in a world where Ohio State has Devin Brown and Kyle McCord on its roster for next year and has Dylan Rayola coming in 2024? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to read something out uh, real quick before we go down that road that I think is just an interesting th- uh, case study to look at. And I don't know, do you, before I, I read this off, do you think that how many quarterbacks transferred this year was uh, abnormal? Do you think it was just like excitement now that the portal is a free-for-all, or do you think that this like is going to be what it looks like every year? It felt normal to me. Okay. Here are the quarterbacks that transferred this year. Caleb Williams, which, believe it, I mean, the coach leaving one school known to the other is probably a large part of it, but he did leave, right? Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams left. Quinn Ewers left. Um, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler left. Jackson Dart left. Um, Dylan Gabriel left. I'm like looking at uh, 247's uh, top 25 transfers. And it's just like I just named off five players. Um, I think that, that guy from... Uh, Washington State that uh, Jaden Delora left who was like the freshman of the year in the Pac-12 uh, and went to Arizona you know there, there's like seven guys there that I think Ohio State could win the Big Ten with if he was their starting quarterback Uh, yeah if you plugged him into Ohio State's roster I'm not saying he'd be Justin Fields but I'm saying they're just they're talented enough with the talent around them to not lose in the Big Ten mm-hmm. I think that's right so it's just like, you know, and like one of those players left Ohio State, but there is an abundance of top level talent. It's like, I remember when Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State, I was like, well, that's never going to happen again. And it's like, I think it's going to happen a lot. I like, think what if Quinn Ewers yeah. is awesome? Maybe he won't be, but like one of these guys is Jackson Dart is a stud. I hope Jackson Dart's good because I have him on my dynasty roster. Jackson Dart is a stud. He's at Ole Miss, right? He's at Ole Miss, and I, I talked to somebody at USC who said that guy was a dude from day one, like was better than Keaton, Keaton Slovis the second he got on campus. Yeah. So Keaton Slovis like, also transferred. Like Ole Miss, Ole Miss like actually could be sneaky good because they've got Zach Evans at running back now, and I think they also have Michael Trigg, that tight end that looks like DK Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme on uh, Instagram the other day, Bill, of 
somebody putting a side by side picture of DK Metcalf with a shirt off flexing. Oh next yeah, to, did you next see to, that next with, to Hunter next Renfro? To, yeah. Hunter Renfro and said, "Can somebody explain to me how the guy on the left, which was Hunter Renfro, who had like kind of a muffin top, was the second most productive fantasy uh, receiver in the country last year?" And it's just like I guess with DK Metcalf, he can't run multiple routes. Like that cone drill that he did that was slower than Tom Brady, what what whatever the combine drill was that he did that was terrible, like actually has manifested into like him not being able to run a wide variety of routes, which makes him limited as a receiver. I'd still want him on my team. <laughs> well, I mean that one play of him running down that pick six in the Cardinals game a few years ago, that might have been like the most amazing play I've seen in years. Yeah, he's from a, a freak. receiver. He's yeah, a freak. people. Yeah, I want him on my team to too, but fast. yeah, yeah. It's just like I wonder if he's like a better track star than a better than a football player. I think that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, I uh, I'm very curious. It's like Ohio State's one of the teams that's racking up all the talent out of out of high school at the quarterback position, and they're the ones feeding the portal. But I feel like if they're ever the ones that are going to be taking from the portal, if every single year you have five Jackson darts entering it, Ohio State is by far the best possible destination for that type of player. Yeah, and if Ohio State if Ohio State ever found itself in a position where it didn't have a starting caliber quarterback on its roster, which is like not going to happen, but say it did, um, guys around the country would like jump in the portal just for the chance. Just of for the chance. <laughs> yeah. The Ohio State starting quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Ohio State, if you ask Pantone or you ask Ryan Day, what would you rather do? I mean, what they're doing is what they would rather do. But yeah. I don't know. Like, I would say right now in the next 10 years, if there's no drastic, crazy changes in the rules in college football and this is what it is, that Ohio State would – I'd bet my life that they wouldn't go into a season for the next 10 years without knowing who their quarterback is going to be or without having a good enough option. Like, it's never going to be a disaster for them. Yeah, and the, it got it got so wonky for them leading up to 2019, and then also there was the coaching change that, like, precipitated Justin Fields coming in but you know since and then and then the best quarterback of all of them started that year right um I do want to know when's the last time Ohio State didn't have a great quarterback starting like it's been 2000 was it 2005 in the beginning of the year before Troy Smith was good and then he turned into a, a badass the second half of the year. Like, when they lost to Texas, it was the Justin Zwick-Troy Smith beginning of that year where they their quarterback was like a question mark. And then they lost to Texas, who won the national championship that year in the closest game imaginable. And then Troy Smith, like, came up out of the ashes and became the greatest quarterback Ohio State's ever had the second half of that year. Like when, What uh, what year was the Joe, Bowser, Joe Bowserman game? It was probably the Joe Bowserman uh, was 08. So then, like before Terrell became the quarterback, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was no, no. Joe Bowserman was after Terrell. I got was confused that, with Todd 11? Beckman. Was Todd that, Beckman, uh, I, I guess. Right. I think the Joe Bowserman year was eleven before Braxton became the quarterback. That's right. Yeah. So then, that's probably the yeah. answer to your question. But was Joe Bowserman ever their their planned starter? I don't know. I wasn't covering a team then. No, Joe Bowserman never came into the year as the guy. Like his starts were because of circumstance. Okay. God, it's been it's been over ten years since that happened. Yeah, it's been a pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I just don't see Ohio State being in a Joe Bowserman scenario anytime soon. No, I don't think so either. They just there's well they were. I think that will be because of how well they recruit the position, but if ever they didn't for some reason, like if it blew up on them, they would find somebody Yeah, who's very okay. good. Yeah. We can transition now. Sorry for hijacking that, but no, I just thought that okay. was an interesting mini discussion. Um, so, but the, this, the 23 class is like not – it's not entirely applicable to like what we're talking about because it's not – they're not like looking for a guy who necessarily has to be like a multi-year starter, but at the same time, I think they want a guy because you can game it out pretty quickly – to get to a scenario where there's only one quarterback on the roster uh, next next fall, uh, because C.J. Stroud is going to the NFL, and like let's imagine a scenario for a second where Devin Brown beats Kyle McCord for the starting quarterback job. Like Kyle McCord's not going to stick around to be Devin Brown's backup, and then Devin Brown is your only scholarship quarterback on the roster going into the 2023 season, which is uh, not ideal. It's uh, no bueno. Yeah, so they 
they need a guy. They need they need somebody else to come in and be a quarterback on this roster next fall. Even even if Kyle McCord wins and Devin Brown stays, you only have two quarterbacks. I still think you need one more. I think everybody would think you'd need one more. Um, so like 2023, there is like a sneaky, urgent need, I think, for a quarterback in this class. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I think just because the scenario exists where they can only have one, it's a need. Right. But I don't know. It's a need to get somebody good. I don't think I would ever recruit somebody who I don't think can play there. I don't. I don't think Ryan Day would do that. And I, I think I might have said that in a mailbag I wrote a couple weeks ago. Like I don't. I don't think he's ever going to take a guy just to take a guy. He's going to take a guy who he believes like has the upside to play here. Now that upside might not be as apparent with that player as it might as it is with like a Devin Brown or a Dylan Rayola or a CJ Stroud. But there's there's something there that you can look at and and project forward and say like okay this this is something that could work to be a successful quarterback at Ohio State. We're not just taking you because we need someone to throw footballs in practice. Um, but if nobody you should at, ever have a scholarship to throw footballs in practice. Is my main tenant. <laughs> like as um, a scholarship uh, inventory checker. Right. But if you look at the twenty three class, like who's still left on the board, the. The guys who would match the caliber of recruiting, you know, pedigree that Ohio State's had recently, or like that aren't already committed, are like Arch Manning and Dante, Dante Moore, Moore, neither of whom Ohio State is going to get. Jaden um, Rashada. Jaden Rashada, who I I have never heard his name mentioned with Ohio State, um, and and still don't even know they're looking for a guy in twenty twenty three. And or Dylan Lonergan, who like Ohio State has recruited and who has visited here a few times, but who I also don't think Ohio State is going to get. So then, like you go down the list a little bit, and there are there are a couple guys who I think at the very least are worth keeping an eye on. They don't have Ohio State offers yet, but I think that could happen in the next few weeks. Um, one is Austin Novasad. He's a he's a Baylor commit. He's from Texas. He's a top three hundred or borderline top three hundred player. He's a four star four star prospect. Um, he's coming up here next week on June 1st to throw for Ryan day and Corey Dennis. Um, and like, he's paying his own dime to come up here to throw for those guys. He's already committed somewhere. Uh, but he's, I think rising a little bit. He's like, he's an elite 11 finalist. He, he went, competed in Dallas was the best kid there. Got an invite. Um, and we'll go to the elite 11 finals. Um, and I think like, while maybe you don't get super excited about a guy who's ranked, you know, 300 or 306 like he is, who's a who's a lower or, or mid-tier, I guess, four-star prospect. Um, I I kind of like when these guys sort of come out of nowhere and end up becoming like elite 11 finalists. And you're like, oh, maybe this kid's pretty good. And for some reason, he just flew under radar. And I think like that's the kind of guy that Ohio State's targeting right now. I think that's the perfect fit, too. Because you don't want to go get somebody who's going to scare off who they got coming in, you know. Not that it, not that they would, but you don't want. It's like this weird it's balance. It's delicate. Between, no, it's delicate. Yeah, I mean, but also good enough to be really good. Good enough. Yeah. Good, good enough. Yeah. Good enough to make it the Elite Eleven Finals and being a fringe top. Th- I think that that is the basement of what Ohio State should take at at, at quarterback. I think that's right. I, I don't think, think they should right. take uh, a quarterback who's choosing between. Sam Houston State and Rice to come in and throw footballs. I think they should go get somebody who was a little under the radar, but second glance, it's like, oh my god, this guy is like a three top three hundred player, and he's going to throw at the Elite Eleven. It's like this guy is worth adding to the roster because he could either blossom into somebody great, or he could throw footballs and transfer. You know what I mean? But at least you have the option. Like they, they always have to have the ability of turning out to being somebody good, but you also fills a need, but also isn't a type of guy that would make anybody coming in after him feel like they're being disrespected. It's like the perfect threading of the needle of that. Yeah, I think I think so I I would watch for I, I talked with Austin a little bit and I'm gonna write a little bit about him. It'll be up in the athletics sometime later this week. I think on we're recording this on Wednesday, I think it'll be up on Thursday. Um so he's one name There'll, there'll probably be others that emerge. Like I'm, I'm just super fascinated to see who ends up coming to throw for Ryan Day and Corey Dennis over the next month. Ohio State's first camp is June 1st. There are six, six of them, I believe. Um, just one next week, but but Austin will be here for that one. What I'm really curious to see if he might show up is is Brock Glenn, who's a three star prospect who is uncommitted. He's a top 30 quarterback in the class, but he's a three-star kid who's currently uncommitted, but he also is an Elite 11 finalist. He competed at Nashville, was good there, earned an invitation. Um, 
has power five offers for sure. What uh, are the major cities that you have to drive through if you were to drive from Columbus to Dallas? Uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I see where I see where you're getting yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get the get the guest room ready. Yeah. Get a little barbecue on the way. That's right. That's right. Um I think there there might be another name or two of a guy in 2023 that comes to the throw for Ohio State. But also Novasad is, is definitely coming on June 1st to throw. I uh, I'm curious if if Brock Glenn shows up and I think there could be another name or two in that mix as well. Um, whether that's someone who's committed or, or uncommitted, like Ohio state is, is it's, they're not being aggressive to the point where like, they're going to go try to flip like, uh, who's like Malachi Nelson, right. Is in this class. Like that's not going to happen, but, uh, they're looking for a guy and it's like, not just a, a warm body. They're looking for a, a guy who they think can, can play here. And they're kind of looking, looking at some of these under, under the radar guys to, to fill that need. All right, let's wrap up. It also is funny because Dante Moore took an, uh, a visit to Michigan last week with a bunch of prospects, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is like a very clear indication that Ohio State is not even remotely interested in him, which I find to be incredibly fascinating. I think I think they're interested in him. Like if like if Dante Moore wanted to take an official visit to Ohio State next month, like they would want him to take an official visit. But um, yeah, it is. I I the. You would think that a guy who has that recruiting pedigree, who is from so close by, he's from Detroit. Actually, I actually think he's from Ohio. I actually. When's think the last from- time there was a five-star prospect in Detroit that Ohio State was not involved with? Mm. Well, maybe last year that corner. But Ohio, oh, you know, he I mean, actually were, visit. He, they yeah. were in on him. Yeah. Will uh, Johnson? Will, Will Johnson didn't he visit Ohio State a bunch? I think that is the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure Dante Moore is actually from Ohio, but does not live in Ohio. Um, but yeah, they've not—they've not recruited him as aggressively as as or maybe, or maybe or maybe they've tried and he's just not. Maybe yeah, it could be coming from him. I I think I. It's just I've so never, foreign that Ohio State would be out of it that it's kind of hard to process. I've never talked to, to Dante Moore or really even talked to anyone at Ohio State about Dante Moore, um, but I have read some things about. Uh, like I think like Dante Moore's dad is just like not an Ohio State fan. <laughs> I think that's part of what's what's at play here. Um, and he's probably gonna. I mean, like Michigan and, and Notre Dame are really like Notre Dame is probably the most aggressively after him. They're right? Jay Z. Did you know that? They're what? They're Jay Z. They're Jay Z. That's what the sales pitch is for Marcus Freeman. What does that mean? He asks prospects what their favorite rapper is, and then he tells them that Notre Dame is Jay Z. Because Jay Z was a rap star who thought about the bigger picture, and instead of just worrying about his craft, he also became a businessman and is now a billionaire. And that's what you get when you go to Notre Dame. Is that a thing that resonates with prospects? Uh, I don't know. It seems to be working. They're about to sign the best class they've ever signed. But he yeah, does that. I guess so. I think it's kind of a clever thing. I get it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Even if you and I think it's stupid, it doesn't matter. It's a matter of whether or not seventeen-year-old kids. Yeah, does yeah. not matter one bit whether or not I think it's stupid. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, can I say something else that has nothing to do with Ohio State that it just – I don't know if – you might know this off the top of your head because you're a nerd that like memorizes the rankings better than I do. But, like, mm-hmm. if I told you Tad Hudson was a top 300 quarterback, where would you think he was committed to just because of his name? Georgia. <laughs> North Carolina. But it's <laughs> like I thought, I thought. I was like, no shit, that guy's going to North Carolina. Tad Hudson? Does, yeah. that, does that strike the the same chord? I, I don't know. I just it, I thought Tad, that was funny. Yeah, Tad Hudson's a good name. Yeah, Tad, Tad H- Hudson is a North Carolina name. Tad Hudson is either a North Carolina quarterback or a Texas high school football coach. That's right. Yeah, Tad Hudson, or a youth pastor in Arkansas. Or yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so he's a youth pastor, Reverend Tad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. This is you what w- you get when you listen to four to six of the NBA guys. This is this is the fun stuff. Do we want to? I still uh, maintain that the wi- the wildest thing in recruiting that I've seen over the last three years is that Ohio State at one point uh, had commitments from uh, what Bennett Christian and what was the other tight end they had in that class? Ah, oh, crap! I can't forget. It. I can't remember his name though. He was a tight end from North Carolina who I think ended up going to Virginia Tech. 
He was from Pilot. Yeah, and Benji Gosnell? Benji Gosnell, yeah. Bennett yeah. Christian and Benji Gosnell, and neither one of them was a Georgia quarterback. Yeah. Um, last night, I wrote a column about Arch Manning in Texas after uh, Holstein committed to Alabama, and I linked back to your story and I was uh, that you did about developing five-star prospects, and I was very upset that you didn't put Texas in there. Um, so I went and looked it up myself. Do you know the last time Texas had a first-round player on the offensive side of the ball drafted? I, I did have the Texas uh, data. I just didn't include them because they didn't have enough uh, five-star prospects. Um, the last time Texas had a first-rounder on offense. On the offensive side of the ball. Who the last one was? Vince Young. Yeah. Yeah. 2006. <laughs> Isn't that freaking insane? Like, how do you not even luck your way into one pick? I have, I don't, I have no idea. Tech, yeah, th- We're talking about almost two decades. I, with the blows, classes that they've signed, it blows my mind how bad, how average to below average that program has been. And that team's going to get Arch Manning, maybe. I kind of still feel like Arch Manning is going to go to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, he might. No, I don't know. I, I, it just seems like there's been a disconnect there. Yeah, but it would be the most Alabama thing ever if he just was like, you know what, I'm just going to go to Bama. Yeah, I don't but, think. Uh, Eli Holstein's pretty good, so. Well, why do you think that Ohio State never was in the mix there? Um, Is it just a Southern I, thing? Does he just want to play in the South? I would probably just think geography, yeah. Um, I I would have to imagine that, like, the, like the Mannings like, would respect Ohio State's quarterback development, but I, I would guess that it's just a geography thing. Okay, I'm on faithful Google Maps right now. One second. Because even, like, I guess, like, Justin Fields is from Georgia, right? But, like. Ohio State's quarterbacks have been like C.J. Stroud from out west, Devin Brown from out west, Kyle McCord from out east, Dylan Rayola from out west. Like, they're not. Ohio State loves itself some west coast quarterbacks. Um, Those kids can play quarterback all year round. Okay, so a drive from New Orleans to Austin is eight hours, and a drive from New Orleans to Columbus has to be like 11. No, it's like 15 or 16, I think. I did it. I did it's it a sixteen-hour drive from from Columbus, Ohio, to to New Orleans. There's no way. Is it twelve? It's a fifteen-hour drive to Dallas. Is it twelve? Oh hour shit! Drive? It is further than I thought it was. Okay, it's thirteen and a half. You're right. I did it. That's for so the strange to me. I drove down there when Ohio State played Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, that's far. Stopped in Birmingham for the night, and then continued. Yeah. On. Okay, I get it, yeah. man. In my head, like. New Orleans to Columbus isn't it's like not that much further away than Austin, but it, it is. South's pretty far down there. Yeah. But also their family flies on private planes, so I, I don't know. That's true. But it's not just about it's not about uh it's necessi- culture too. Yeah, it's culture. It's not necessarily yeah. like travel logistics. But it's, it's just it's just it's kind of funny to me that the program that has hasn't had a first round offensive draft pick since two thousand six is gonna be the team that gets the most influential and maybe he'll end up at Georgia. I don't know. I mean, nobody really knows where he's going, but the most influential prospect of all time, and I'm I know I'm prone to hyperbole, but I think that's probably a fact, right? In terms of hype and uh you know, what his name means and how good he is and the position that he plays and where he's from and who's recruiting him. Like I don't think you could create in a lab a person that's more attractive as an NIL candidate or as a quarterback prospect is going to end up at the place that hasn't had a first-round draft pick since 2006 on offense. It's just, like, kind of funny to me. Maybe, uh, or let me know who's eligible. Off that is Xavier Worthy uh, draft eligible? Bijan Robinson. Oh, yeah, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, he'll yeah. be a first-round pick. Yeah, probably. I don't know. He's a running back. You never know. That's true. All right, let's give our top five remaining targets for Ohio State's 2023 recruiting class, shall we? Okay, let's do it. All right, let's start at the bottom of our list and give our number fives. You go first. You go first. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. Um, and I feel like it's like I just wrote five names down and I didn't put them in order, so I'm a little bit nervous about this going in order. Um, but okay. Well, they don't have to be. I guess if you okay, just give me a name. Okay. Okay. Well, I, for, I'll just put. I know who my top two are going to be, but uh, Olas Elenin. How do you say his name? I think it's Olaus Olaus Allenin. I think is how you say Olaus Allenin. Um, I noticed that Ohio State um, didn't make the top five for Chase Basantis. They certainly um, did not. 
So I don't know. Like, do you want to see a elite level offensive lineman in this class from out of state? I certainly and do. You you look at this guy from Connecticut, who I maybe he should be higher just because of where he's from. But like the East Coast Northeast pipeline that that Michigan had going there, like I do think that like you're talking about a, a top a fringe top 100 player who has an uh, offer from Alabama, Georgia, and Miami, um, and others who is a six foot six bona fide 320 pound offensive tackle from Connecticut. Like that dude doesn't go south. Like I think that like he is by far the type of prospect that you want to see in Ohio State's offensive line. You know now that that stud's not there anymore. Uh, I agree with all that. He's not on my list because I have a different offensive tackle on my list, but I also think you can make the argument that Ohio State could take two tackles. Now that they have their three in-state guys with Luke Montgomery, Austin Saraveld, and Joshua Padilla, um, all three players who I really like, but also three players who I think are probably interior guys, um, they still need tackles, and they need to win a major out-of-state tackle battle for the first time since 2018, I guess, with Nick Petit Frere. Um but I, I have Samson Okunlola higher than I like. He's I, I listed mine out like one through five in the order of which I think they're important. And I have Okunlola number two, um, who's also from the Northeast. The difference between Okunlola and, and Olaus Allenin is Olaus has an official visit scheduled to Ohio State, and Samson does not. Um, and I like Ohio State really needs to figure out a way. I think to get Samson Okunlola on campus next month for for one of these official visit visit weekends, preferably the last one, which seems to be their biggest one, the weekend of June twenty fourth. Um, because like I'm surprised still, Samson isn't number one on your list because he's highly rated and also from the Northeast. He's higher. He's number two overall. I, I have one player I think is more important for him, mostly for like narrative purposes. Um, but offensive tackle remains a major need in this class. And, like, Samson Okunlola is a monster. He, I saw him in Columbus over a year ago now. He camped for the, the Under Armour thing. And, like, he was just kicking everyone's ass. That kid is so good. Like, he, he looks like, like, no doubt about it, first-round pick to me. Um, but there didn't seem to be, like, much of uh, much of anything in the way of momentum with Ohio State and him, like, in the spring. And I thought there would be. Um, I think it's not great that there wasn't. There's still time for Justin Fry to, to pull this off. Like Justin Fry has done has done one important thing thus far, and that is like get the guys in Ohio that Ohio State should be getting, which is something that like Greg Shudarawa did not always do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other piece of that puzzle, and probably frankly the more the important piece, piece. The more yeah. important piece of that puzzle is to win the battles for guys like this. Yeah. Um, and like Jake said, Chase Bizantis is out. He didn't have Ohio State among his finalists. Um, Olaus Allenin is visiting, but I think. He's. I think people think Alabama is the favorite for him at the moment. Um, the one thing with Ohio State is like they get a kid on campus. I'll give him a shot because Ohio State does official visits as well as anybody. So that they're getting him on campus and they're getting him on campus for the last official visit weekend of June is, is a big deal. Um, but they need to get Samson Oklahoma on campus too. Okay, I organize mine in order uh, right. now that you're. So I'll put him at five for me. Okay. Uh, I just like his name too, Olaus. Olaus from Finland. It sounds like the name of somebody that would be in Better Call Saul. Um, my. By the way, that show last – are you watching it still? I've never watched it. I want to start watching it. But oh, buddy, this it. season is incredible. This is like Breaking Bad. I hear good things. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number four would be Darren Reed, Columbus, Georgia, Carver. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an official visit scheduled, I believe, in late June. He does. But I want to see a six foot five, two hundred and seventy five pound athletic defensive tackle that would be going to Georgia um, at Ohio State. Like I want to see the I want to see the manifestation of what Teron Vincent was supposed to be. And like I know they've gotten some guys last year. They got some guys. But like a southern six foot five freak of an athlete for a defensive tackle, and he's also considering Florida State, LSU, Miami, and Auburn, um, some other other schools in there. But it seems like Ohio State's in very good position. A and M's in the mix. Um, I want. I feel like he would be a stud in this class and a nice compliment to some of the guys they got last year in the future. If we extended this list out to ten, 
I would have him on there. Uh, I have a different defensive lineman at number four on my list. It's Keon Keeley, defensive end from Florida, who's currently committed to Notre Dame, but Ohio State is trying like hell to, you know, get him to visit, um, get him to come off of that commitment. I, I think if they get him on campus again, they have a good shot at, at trying to flip him. Like, he's a top ten player. He's the number one edge rusher in the class. So like, and he's from Berkeley Prep, which is where they've recruited before in Tampa, Florida, where Nick Petit Ferrer is from. Like, all that alone makes him worthy of chasing. But like. If you're able to like steal a guy like that from Notre Dame's class too, like I think that that's yeah. And all of a sudden, stealing somebody from Notre Dame's class is important because they're like actually really good. Yeah, there's uh, good players in my class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, I guess I can understand the dynamic, but you know, the thing too is that I feel like our list so far like have different names, but the ideas are the same. So like the they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah, I had. Um, do you have Brandon Brandon Innes on yours? Yes. He's number five on mine because, like, he's awesome. He's really good. I thought and he was going to be number one for you. He's not number one for me because no. you because you said something about narrative. Um, and no, uh, I, I think if I if I were not already so confident in Brian Hartline's ability to get him, I think he'd be higher. But like, he's lower on my list because like I just think they're going to get him. <laughs> okay, maybe that that doesn't logic doesn't make sense, but that's why he's awesome. yeah. I mean, it's an uncommitted target. He's number one on my list. He's number one on your list? Okay. I just uh, think that, like, Ohio State needs to keep the ball rolling on that position as much as they can. And, mm-hmm. like, if you have somebody who is in the state of Florida at a place that they've recruited quite well, he's an American Heritage kid, they've gotten talent out of there, Torrance Gibson, what up? Um, I just, you know, it's not a position of need, obviously, but I think that if they can just get a top 10 national player receiver every single year and that becomes an expectation, I think that'll be great for the program. I don't know. If, if that like makes sense for him being my number one, but like I'm also very attracted to skill position players, so I guess it's on brand. Yeah, it is on brand, and I think what you're so saying. So who's makes your number one? You, you wanna, you are trying to, you're trying to get to the to the level they're at with receiver at other positions, but while you're doing that, you don't want to lose ground at receiver. You want to maintain. Yeah. Also, team. like if Brian Hartline is who we think he is, right? Which is the great. You want to see that continue. Yeah, and I think it will. I think they're they're gonna get. I yeah. think they're gonna get him. Um, they have they're, they're out on Carnell Tate now, right? Uh, or it seems like he's trending towards uh, Tennessee. Yeah, they're not out. Like, uh, uh, yeah. But I also don't think he's scheduled an official visit just yet to Ohio State. Um, yeah. But they, I think they would want him. Well, I but, mean, Carnell Tate right now has like all the crystal ball predictions to Ohio State. So, like, I, I don't know that that would be the case if they were to re like Steve Wilfong put put one in for Ohio State a while back, and like I don't know if he would redo that now. Yeah. I think I, Tate, Tate, I don't feel as good about as I felt a year ago, but I think that's true with everybody. But Brandon Ennis, I think they're in a really good spot. Um, Noah Rogers from North Carolina, who's like a top 50 overall prospect, I think they're in a great spot for him too. They have Bryson Rogers, um, and I don't know if they're going to take three or four. I think they'd probably take four if they could. Um, but I think like a class of like Brandon Ennis, Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, and Bryson Rogers is still on the table, which would be an insane class. Yeah. Um, my number one on my list is Caleb Downs. He's my two. Yeah. Number one safety in the country, number 11 player overall, five-star prospect out of Georgia. Like, and they Bama, have – Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. They have, the most. they have two safeties in the class. I think they want to take three or four. And obviously there's always room for a player like this if he's going to give you the time of day, and he is giving them the time of day. But, like, just for what it would mean, like for Ohio State to get a player like that out of Georgia at a time where, like, the recruiting landscape is shifting so much, I think would be, like, just a – probably the – Biggest non-quarterback recruiting win of the Ryan Day era. Um, and also just like a major, major splash for Perry Iliano if he were able to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, you want to see your new coaches do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very simple to do some of these like rankings because you just go like, oh, well, they're involved with five of the top 15 uncommitted players in the country mm-hmm. and just pick off five. But like, I think that what you mean by narrative there too, it's like you want to see – your new defensive staff go into state and, and prove that they can get the top safety in the country out of Georgia. Like that makes you feel good about it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a need because you want to see Ohio state's defense cupboard loaded up and their defense is in a transitional period right now. But you also want to see the production of the coaching staff um, recruiting at the level necessary to win a national title. So I think that that's all part of the picture there. Yeah. I also want to, when I do lists like this and like, I don't I don't put names of guys on the list just because they're really good. Like, if there's a guy who's really good that Ohio State is quote-unquote recruiting, but I don't think they're actually going to get, like, I don't put them on there. 
or I hesitate to, or I'll put guys that I actually think they're going to get or have a shot at getting ahead of them. So like, I think, yes. Caleb, I think Caleb Downs is real. I think I think Ohio State is is right where they need to be in that recruitment. Yeah, and you changed my mind because I made this list before we started, but I put um, uh, Justice Haynes. Sorry, I blacked out for a second on my list at four or at three. Sorry, uh, just because I thought that you'd want to get a top fifty player out of Georgia at running back, but I think that might be the wrong thing to have right now after mm-hmm. what we talked about. Yeah. Um, so I have Caleb Downs, Samson Okunlola, Keon Keeley, Brandon Ennis. So I said the only other guy I haven't mentioned that is on my list, I have him at number three, is Tackett Curtis, linebacker from Louisiana. Jim Knowles guy. Um, a guy who Jim Knowles was recruiting at Oklahoma State and probably would not have gotten if he was still at Oklahoma State. But, like, you want to talk about whether or not Jim Knowles has the recruiting chops to, to be what he needs to be here at Ohio State. I think pulling Tackett Curtis out of Louisiana would, would maybe answer that question for you. You know what's weird about him? LSU was not in the mix there. They were not, but he just visited there. Like the old staff, like I think if the old staff was still there, I don't think he would be considering LSU whatsoever. Um, I think Brian Kelly's staff is like trying to make a late push here for him, and they had him on campus last week. Yeah, because in the state of Louisiana, um, none of the top four players in the state are committed, and um, Arch Manning's not going there. So it's just like in Alabama already has Eli Holstein. Tackett Curtis is crystal ball favorite right now to Ohio State, and it's just like, is LSU really going to only sign like three of the top ten players out of Louisiana this year? Would not be a great start for Brian Kelly. Yeah, so, you know, it's early, but, you know, it would be interesting, too, to see Ohio State take a top 60 player out of Louisiana because you don't see that very often. They We wrote about this, right? Um, we wrote about it seven year, eight years ago now, pal. Jonathan Wells... And uh, what was the other guy? Nader Abdallah? Was that his name? Yeah, have they never gotten anybody else since? They got uh, Jair Brown last year, who is from Ohio, but at the time that he committed was playing in Louisiana, but then he moved back up to Ohio after he committed. That's right. And otherwise, no. Crazy. I I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Um, Did you have anybody else on your list? It's the the Bayou uh, down there, bud. You know, we've been down there. That's right. I love Um, that. There's one player that's on my list, but I don't think that, like, he was on my list. Um because he had been on my list for Ohio state for so long and he's no longer, um, uh, considering Ohio state. I just wanted to ask you like what your take on him was, um, AJ Harris. Yeah. Um, Cause I just, for a while there last year, it seemed like Ohio state was firmly in the mix there. Yeah. And, and, and because of Kerry Combs and like Kerry Combs is not yeah. here. Um, I, th- there was definitely some hope, right. That Tim, I think that Tim Walton and, Jim Knowles and probably Perry Iliano too could could keep that going, but I think once Kerry Combs was gone, that the notion that Ohio State would be in the running for AJ Harris went with it. Yeah, just because a Southern kid, you know. Yeah, he's um, he's like in Phoenix City, Alabama, which is like right on the border. But I also think he's he's like a military kid. I think he's moving around a little bit too. So. Yeah, and AJ Hoffler too, the defensive lineman out of Atlanta. He's not uh, very highly rated, but like Clemson loves him, and that makes me love him. There was a time where I thought, like, I was like kind of ready for him to commit to Ohio State. It hasn't happened. I don't know if that means Ohio State's like moved on, or they're like they're slow playing that a little bit to see who else like, they might get. Like the, the Larry Johnson's classes have come together quite late the last couple of years, and it's and it's sort of happening again. Um, but I don't know, I don't know about uh, Hoffler, and, yeah. and and I don't think I think. Um, AJ Harris is is not happening. I know people people think AJ Harris might go to like UNC, right? Yeah, which would be great for. Well, I mean the 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 team to beat right now seems like it's Florida. Oh, yeah, that's right, Florida, Florida, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been all over the. Uh, he unofficially visited in January and took another one in March. So, yeah. uh, you know, um, I just remember last like- year at the opening uh, camp. His father was there for some reason, I think. And, like, it was a really big Ohio State discussion, so. Yeah, they were up here last summer, and, like, AJ was getting a one-on-one workout with Kerry Combs, like, was super into it. You could tell there was a real connection there, and, like, AJ's family was, like, kind of standing off watching it, and, like, every writer, like, spent five minutes talking with AJ Harris's family, because I think at that time everyone thought, like, AJ Harris is coming to Ohio State. Um, but then he didn't, and Kerry Combs is gone, and now he's not, so. um I don't know what they're going to do with corner because they probably need – they have John Johnson in this class. Um, 
I would think they probably need at least one other corner in this class, maybe maybe two. But and I'm looking at their targets list right now on two four seven, and there's another corner that's uh, in St. Louis, Christian Gray. He is officially um, visiting. Yep, he has an official visit, and I think he might probably belong on the list. But also, seems like Notre Dame's very very in the mix there, and he's he's committing in a month and a half. So yeah, Kay and Lee is another one, the former Georgia commit. Um, yeah, might be for uh, there's a kid in Ohio, Jermaine Matthews that Ohio State has not offered and I don't know if he's going to camp but like I've I've been wondering if oh, they might pull the trigger there but that hasn't happened and I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, I don't think they need a huge corner class. I think they're more focused on taking a huge safety class with this new defense. Um, yeah. But I think they still probably need at least one other corner, but it's not as as urgent of a need. Um, as and there's a three-star uh, three-star linebacker that Ohio State's in the mix with too, uh Arvell Reese from Glenville. Yes. Which I think would be an interesting story for you. Uh, it just is, to like the, to, the just the fact that he goes to Glenville, I think is fascinating. Yeah, I want I want to go up there because um, they have a, there's a they have two guys. They have Arvell Reese in, in twenty three, and they have a, a DB in twenty four whose name is escaping me because I'm bad at my job. Um, no, it's, like, I was actually having this conversation with Max Olson the other day, and like I'm going to write a story about a prospect in Waxahachie after we're done with this. And he goes, who are you going to visit? Like, I could not remember his name. And, like, I set up an interview to go talk to him, and I just can't. I think there's, like, the human brain only has as much uh, room. Like, I'm deleting memories of my child's first laughs so I can remember these kids' names. Because it's just, it's just hard. There's so many of them, you know? It's, uh, it's speaking of Ohio State cornerback targets, it's Calvin Simpson Hunt, who Ohio State has offered. Yes. That's who I'm going to talk to. Yeah. But I'm not writing about it. Well, I mean, maybe I'll write a little bit about Ohio State, but it's not an Ohio State story. It's not an Ohio State story, but that's a kid that I think Ohio State might try to flip here late in the process. He's blowing yes. up, right? He's blowing like everybody's else. trying to flip him. Yeah, that's Poor what Texas, I'm writing about. Poor Texas Tech. Yeah, it's like the this weird dynamic when you're a Texas Tech and you have a, a coach that's plugged into the in-state recruiting, which made him the attractive candidate. It's like you want them to be good, but you don't want them to be too good. Like I'm going to go write about like the tightrope walking of that of like. Yeah. You know, Texas Tech was the first to take you seriously. They're the first to offer you committed, and now Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and everybody else is offering you. It's just like being Texas Tech in that scenario sucks because they were so good at their job, they're not going to get the kid. Can can NIL collectives at places like Texas Tech uh, help Texas Tech secure commitments of kids like that and then pay those kids to stop playing high school football so that no one else can watch them before they get to Texas Tech? That would be great. Uh, well, actually, in Texas, you're not allowed to have NIL deals while you're still playing. So if they accept the deal, they would be deemed ineligible and thus not being able to play and oh. blow up. Hmm. But he's been blowing up because of the camp circuit, I think. Yeah, that he's like, jet. he's like, like he's peop- really long and like super fast, right? Isn't he like a yeah. big speed guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be cool. I'm interested to see what he says about that because I think he, he's definitely an Ohio State's radar. So that could be another guy we're talking about in a couple of weeks, especially um, if, he, I, if he decides to come visit. I want to say one more thing to you. Um, before we go, you did not stop at Tudor's Biscuit World. I did. I did on my way you back. You didn't send me a freaking picture. Un- no, because uh, I get your camera it. open. I was. Uh, uh, I was uh, uh, his camera's on- off. I'm not going to listen to him until he turns his camera on. What's wrong with you? I was sitting uh, on the banks of the Ohio River uh, in West Virginia at the last Tudor's Biscuit World before you cross the line over in, into Ohio, um, and I think I was just like so tired from driving and like so into just scarfing down what was in front of me that I didn't think to send you a picture of it or give me a review or tell me about it or call me or do anything. Yeah. I was That's, just kind of out of it. Okay. I'm going to, I'll talk to you later. Have you had it before? Here. What the hell are you talking about? Yes. I've been telling you to go there for two years. Okay. Cause I just thought it was fine. Like it wasn't bad. The biscuit was good. I got to, I don't, I also, I don't know what the order there. So I just ordered like the sausage and cheese on a biscuit. Um, and it was good. It wasn't like life changing, but it was, it wasn't bad, but it was okay. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I've, I've come to find out. Somebody told me to order a pizza in Dallas last week and I ordered this thing and I sent you a picture of it. It was the most, it was like, I threw it out. I didn't even eat it. It was, I asked you if you were being pranked. That's how bad it looked. and I think that most places are a letdown. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is the greatest biscuit I've ever had in my entire life, but when I went there, it was fresh. I don't know what experience you had, but when I went there, it was fresh. The biscuit was huge, and it tasted amazing. So I thought it was like a good place to suggest, because I know you're a big purveyor of the biscuit. Uh-huh. 
but if it let you down, I'm disappointed by that because I don't want to give. Down. I don't want to. I don't want to give. Be the person that gives people food recommendations, and people are like, "God, that guy doesn't know anything about food." It didn't let me down because, um, like, the person who who gave me the pizza recommendation will never give me another food recommendation ever again. I'm not even going to talk to him about it. <laughs> I sent uh, Landis a picture of this pizza. It looked awful. It yeah, it was, and it tasted the way it looked. I thought it was a practical joke. It was not. It was just a terrible looking pizza. No, Tutor's Biscuit it was it was good. It didn't didn't let me down. I think I I went like in the afternoon. Um, cause that's just the time that I was there. Um, so maybe that, maybe if I like would have went in the morning and it was like fresher or something, it would have been a little bit better experience, but it was still pretty good. The coffee was yeah. not good. I was like, the coffee. I took like one sip oh, and God. it was like gas station coffee and I was out. Oh God. But the, the sandwich itself was good. The bis- I'm still kind of annoyed at you right now. Yeah. My, I apologize for it. I should be a better friend than that. I mean, come on. Yeah. That is like, you know. That's like I, the, literally the foundation of our entire friendship. I just I inhaled it. Like, I ate it so fast. No, I know. It would have been like, hey, Ari, I had tutors. You've been telling me to go there for two years. It was fine. I yeah. actually think, I think, I think my thought process was that I was going to bring it up on the podcast, and then I forgot about it again. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go cry now. Okay. I apologize for that. I hope we can still be friends. Um, it's okay. I'll meet you in Memphis. All right. Me and you. Me, you, and Brock Glenn. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the four to six with A and B. Uh, leave us a five star review if uh, you would be so kind. We would greatly appreciate it. Camp season uh, gets rolling next week, so we'll be talking about some of that. Continue to talk about recruiting as Ohio State has visitors on its campus, and we keep an eye on how the Buckeyes finish out this twenty twenty three recruiting class. So, thanks for listening again, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.